0: space nuts welcome back to a very space themed episode of bad on paper podcast i'm becca freeman
1: and i'm olivia mentor
0: and today we are talking about our april book club pick which is project hail mary by andy weir and olivia i gotta tell you i got really into this
1: Really? I'm actually very nervous because I saw that you posted that you had started it and you liked it. And then I haven't heard anything. So I was like, this is either going to crush me or surprise me. But I'm, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts.
0: You didn't hear anything because I read the whole book in two days. That's
1: great. That's the way it's meant to be enjoyed, I think.
0: Well, before we get into the book club, Discussion. This episode is sponsored by night the makers of our favorite silk pillowcases. If you're ready to upgrade your sleep experience, you can take 20% off almost everything on their site at discovernight.com with code BAD on paper. Let's do some highs and lows. Please tell me your high. I I almost wish we had a whole episode to discuss this. Oh gosh. So my
1: high is uh Jake and I's trip to Italy for our first wedding anniversary. It was this past week. We went for seven days. Uh, We were in Florence, and then we spent a couple days in Tuscany, and I'm probably butchering this pronunciation, but I think it's called Umbria, or anyway, the country. And it was wonderful and just magical, and it was really like a splurge, like dream vacation for us, and it was kind of like a makeup trip for our honeymoon that we planned twice and both times either was canceled or went very wrong (laughs) initially. So it was just, it felt like a long time coming in a lot of ways. And it was, it was great.
0: It looked stunning. So I booked a trip to Paris and I I booked the Harry Styles trip. I can't remember if I had told people that. And then you were on your trip to Italy and I was like, man, I think I screwed up. I, I should go to Italy. The
1: good thing is Italy is not that far from You said Paris, right?
0: Yeah, I think I'm committed to Paris, but I think next year I'm in the market for an Italy moment. You sold it real hard. Also, it looked like you did some like exceptional eating and drinking.
1: We really did. I mean, that's pretty much the main point of traveling for me. It's eating and drinking. And that's, that's basically it. I like museums and everything, but I mean, it's all about the food. It's all about the food. It looked great. Thank you. It was really fun.
0: Maybe we should do an episode about trip planning. I feel like I want oh. to know how you go about your research because it seemed like you had you had a plan. I did.
1: But you know what's funny is that the best experience of the whole trip maybe was the thing that we didn't have planned. We did a little day trip to this random like medieval town in Tuscany and it was the single best day of travel I think I've ever had in my life. But you traveled too and I'm excited to hear about your trip as well. So, so tell us about Charleston.
0: Yeah. So my high is that I went to Charleston last weekend to visit Grace. And it was really nice because, you know, we've lost our weekly touch point of talking on the podcast. So I was happy that we didn't let too much time go by before we got to see each other in person. And I went to Charleston. She planned a very food centric weekend. We had plans to go to the beach, but it was not great weather, so we didn't do that. But we went to a bunch of her favorite restaurants. I did Easter with her family, which was so nice. That's so fun. And it was just a it was a great trip. It looked
1: great. I'm excited to go to Charleston more myself because my parents are building a house right outside of Charleston. So That's what I thought. We'll have to do a trip or something again.
0: I was saying that to Grace. I was like, "I think Olivia's parents are moving to Charleston." Did I make that up? And she was like, "I think you made that up." <laughs>
1: no, they are. It's outside of Charleston, but they're there all the time now and always reporting back about restaurants and bars. And actually, my mom, who follows you on Instagram now, was like, oh, I saw Becca was at this restaurant that I've heard is really good. I think it's called Chubby's. Is that right? Chubby Fish. Chubby Fish. Chubby
0: Fish. It was so good. Grace wanted to go on Friday, and she was like, well, we have to line up at 430 because it opens at 5, and if you don't get in line, you won't get a seat. And they don't take any reservations. And in my head, I was kind of like, I don't know if any food is worth lining up for at 4.30. But it was it was excellent.
1: It looked incredible. It really did. Um, also, like eating at 5 p.m. is kind of my ideal time. Like get a cocktail at 5 and eat at 6. I feel like I would thrive in that environment.
0: Well, then you have so much. T- I guess you go to bed earlier than I do. Yeah, I do. Then you have so much time afterwards. And then we were kind of drunk and then we went home and watched a bad movie, which was also about space. I watched a lot of space movies this weekend.
1: I saw that and I wondered if it was because of this or just coincidental.
0: It was coincidental, but I have some more space thoughts based on this. Oh, okay. Anyway.
1: Okay. I'm looking forward to hearing them.
0: Yeah. So so my high was the trip to Charleston. What about lows? What's your low? My low is that I kind of had an
1: unexpected bad body image week while I was traveling It's always like the most frustrating thing for me when this happens, because not only am I feeling bad because I'm feeling bad, but then I'm also like beating myself up because I'm like, why can't you just like be present and enjoy this moment and not have these thoughts like, oh, I don't fit in here. or I don't look good enough to be in this like fancy restaurant or just these really negative kind of intrusive thoughts. And it was still like the most amazing trip and everything. You know, nothing is ever one dimensional. And, uh, but I'm feeling better now. So it passed. But yeah, there were a few days there where I just, you know, when you like hate every piece of clothing you own, nothing looks right, nothing fits right. You just are like beating yourself up. That I had a few days like that, which was rough. But
0: Olivia, I, when I saw this in the outline, I related to this so hard because when I was in Charleston on Saturday night before dinner, we went to this bar. And it was like a swanky, cocktail-y type place. And the where I was seated, there was this mirror, this huge mirror on the side wall. And I was sitting on like a, not a poof, but like a, a non-back chair. And I had this view of myself from the side. And it was also what I was wearing. And I had like a full internal spiral during the course of one cocktail sitting here looking at myself and it just, oh my gosh. So I'm intimately familiar with having a bad body image week, having just had one myself Yeah, I'm or being in the midst of one perhaps.
1: I'm glad you can relate, but I'm sorry that you dealt with that because it really takes you out of any moment you're in. It's like it suddenly just becomes what you hear in your head and you're not experiencing anything else going on. And yeah, I, I hate moments like that. Cause I'm like, why couldn't I have just enjoyed this amazing place? I was with these great people and great memories, but yeah, I'm glad it's just not me.
0: No, it is not just you. I, I sat there the whole time then being like, how can I sit so that I don't, you know, just like contorting and looking at myself and feeling self-conscious and ugh.
1: I, I get that. And it's interesting because it's like nothing about yourself changed in that moment you know like you were exactly yeah. the same as you were, as you were an hour before a day before but you can feel totally different but yeah what about you what was your low
0: I am just feeling really spread thin right now across my work projects and I'm really frustrated about it because I don't know if there is a solution. Mm. You know, I I feel like I've been in this like quote unquote hustle mode for the past couple of years as we've gotten rom-com pods up and running and now I've added on a book and I have all these projects that I'm really excited about, but I still have my consulting work to pay the bills. And I think I've had a pretty good attitude about it for the past two years. And I feel like over the past month, it has all just hit me and it feels really frustrating to have so much on my plate. And especially that I feel like it's to the detriment of my creative work sometimes, where I'm like, the solution to being able to do fewer things would be if I finish this novel, and I can sell the novel, then I'll have money from that. But because I have so many things going on, sometimes it's hard to work on the novel. And it's, uh, it's really frustrating.
1: Yeah, that's understandable. You are honestly one of the hardest working people I think I've ever met in terms of taking on more, always being the first person to handle something. And it's very impressive, but I can imagine how exhausting it is. And I also feel like when you have creative projects on the side, you just have this mindset, like eventually that will be my full time job. And when it's been so long, like it, it it wears on you. I I totally get it. And I'm sorry you're dealing with that.
0: Thank you. And that was uh, such a nice compliment to my Enneagram type three heart about my work <laughs> ethic. So yeah, I, I don't think there is a solve. I don't want to give any of them up, but I'm just uh, I'm out of balance right now.
1: Yeah. ugh, That's the worst feeling. Well, I hope that there's an end in sight
0: at some point. Me too. Let's take an ad break. Today's episode is sponsored by Night. Night exists at the intersection of beauty and sleep using textiles to solve your sleep woes. Today, we want to talk to you about their pillowcases. So, you've heard us talk about the Night pillow in a lot of our previous ads, but you don't need to buy the pillow to experience Night's beauty sleep benefits. You can add one of their pillowcases to your favorite pillow that you already own. So, Olivia, I want to check back with you because last time we talked about night, you were waiting on their chill pillowcases. What did you think?
1: I have to say I was excited about this, but I didn't think it would be something that I truly needed. But honestly, it has improved my sleep so much especially as the nights get a little bit warmer and we don't have our window unit air conditioning installed yet. The Chill Pillowcases create a cooler sleep experience with their custom blend of rayon from bamboo and nylon, which are proven to feel cooler than cotton and polyester, two of the most common fabrics used for pillowcases. If you sleep hot or experience hot flashes, the Chill Pillowcase is for you. I feel like this is going to be really amazing as we get to the hot and humid and ridiculously sticky summer months in Philly, which are brutal.
0: So I was really surprised to learn from night that some studies show that sleeping warm or hot can be disruptive to your REM cycles, which are critical for deep restorative sleep. So you're not just going to be more comfortable with this pillowcase. You're also going to get a better night's sleep. One more thing that I want to mention here is that any of Knight's pillowcases make such a great gift and Mother's Day is coming up. So if you're stumped on what to buy a mother figure in your life, I think these pillowcases would be such a nice gift that they'll actually use.
1: If you're ready to upgrade your pillowcases, go to discovernight.com and use code BADONPAPER, all one word, for 20% off almost everything on the site, including all of their pillowcases. Again, that's discovernight.com with code BADONPAPER for 20% off.
0: Into this book. So we're doing things a little bit different this month and, you know, give us feedback. I think we're we're figuring out how this book club evolves. Two things that are different. Shorter plot summary. We added in the plot summaries because some people said they like to listen to the book club episodes, even though they didn't read the book. But we're going to go shorter. And we also have some voicemails from listeners with questions in addition to our own discussion questions. So for future months, if you have a question while you're listening... Take a voice note of it and send it to us, and you might hear us answer the question on the air.
1: Yes, and I want to say I was really impressed with some of the feedback and questions and takeaways that people had. that were super thoughtful and interesting, so thank you. Project Hail Mary follows the story of Ryland Grace, a scientist-slash-middle-school teacher who wakes up on a spaceship with zero memory of how he got there or, at first, who he even is. Eventually, Grace remembers the story of how he came to be the sole survivor of the Project Hail Mary crew. He also remembers his mission, to save the Earth from something called astrophage, a single-celled organism in space that is absorbing all of the sun's energy. Through flashbacks, he also remembers exactly what astrophage means for Earth, that without action, the planet will enter an ice age in less than 30 years. Grace's job in space is to find a way to destroy astrophage, send that information back to his home planet, and save humankind. No pressure. Grace isn't alone for long, though, as he eventually runs into alien life in the form of a dog-sized, five-legged spider with a stone-like outer shell who he names Rocky. Together, Rocky and Grace learn to interpret each other's languages and communicate, forming a bond that eventually saves both their lives. So there were some spoilers in there, but not every single detail. So maybe that's a good balance for the, for the plot summary. We'll see. Definitely tell us what you think.
0: I think it felt good.
1: Okay, cool. Becca, so I'm very anxious to know what you thought of this. I have been nervous (laughs) ever since you posted about it, but tell me your impressions. You said you read it in two days. I'm very curious.
0: I loved it. I will be honest that I was the one who suggested we do this book because it's your the idea of you. It's your most recommended book. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought – that I wasn't going to love it as much as you loved it. Just because space isn't my jam. And so I was like, oh, I'll read it. It'll be fine. People like it. It won't be for me. Mm -hmm. Within the first 50 pages, I was so sucked into the story. I also, it was funnier than I thought it would be. Like there was a humor to it. Mm -hmm. I tore through it. The plot obviously like, there's no higher stakes than the world is ending (laughs) and, you know, this guy needs to save the planet. I was riveted. Yay. I'm
1: so excited. I'm literally smiling so big. Like you just told me that I don't even know what the equivalent would be. I I don't know, but I'm so happy.
0: (laughs) It was fantastic. It's also a doorstopper of a book. It is huge. And so I started the book probably about two weeks ago, thinking that I wasn't going to like it that much and that I would just read it 50 pages at a time. And so I gave myself all this time to read it and then plowed through it in two days.
1: (laughs) Well, that's great. Yeah. I. Oh my gosh. What were you most surprised about, do you think, other than the fact that you kind of didn't expect to like it?
0: Well, I didn't go in with any knowledge of the plot. And I was very surprised by him finding alien life and that this was a friendship story between him and an alien. (laughs) I, you know, and also he doesn't meet Rocky until maybe a third, halfway into the book. And so I really didn't, I was already sold on the book when I thought it was a very different story. And then I was like, oh, and now he has an alien friend.
1: Yeah. That's actually what I love about it so much is I feel like it's like different layers of of falling in love with the book. It's like you're already kind of sucked into the mystery. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, there's actually a deeper friendship story here. It's just it feels like just a delight, a t- treat after treat.
0: Yes, but it could have so easily have gone off the rails where mm. and especially reading about the description of Rocky's looks. I was <laughs> like, oh, geez. And nope, still in.
1: Yeah, I have to know what were you picturing Rocky as the entire time? Because I feel like he shifted. I'm saying he it it, Rocky shifted so many times in my mind as to what they he does. What are Rocky's pronouns? Do we know this? I think
0: he although I'm also thinking about them talking about reproduction and I think he can asexually reproduce.
1: Hmm. I'm unsure. Okay, well, I will go with he because Andy Weir says he in the book. So, what were you picturing? So, I was
0: picturing a tarantula. <laughs> it had it had hair for sure in mind, even though it is described also as a rock. And so, I
1: pictured like a, a toupee, by the way, on a tarantula just now. <laughs> you so, said hair? <laughs> no,
0: it, it has hair throughout. Like maybe its body is because it also is portrayed as one point. He has like smoke poisoning and he has gills kind of and so maybe the hair is coming out of the cracks between the rocks I'm unsure there is definitely Mm. hair in my mind low to the ground kind of tarantula thing which sounds like something I don't want to love and a testament to the author that I I did what were you picturing
1: I pictured a giant boulder with different legs coming out of it. That was basically it. But something I I had to keep reminding myself of is that Rocky didn't have a face. And that was something that I found super fascinating. Because like you said, I still felt so emotionally attached to this creature without any facial expressions. (laughs) Like I was picturing him smile, but there's no mouth. There's no eyes.
0: I. Also it blows my mind. To complicate things, I'm pretty sure at one point he is described as wearing overalls.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I have to say, the the part that I think of over and over is when he wears his little gloves and his little fancy outfit. I literally was like, I would die for this tarantula rock creature. I oh my gosh, it was so sweet.
0: So this is one of my biggest concerns here is This was such a a good book. I really loved it. I think this would make a terrible movie. Terrible. And it's becoming a movie. And Ryan Gosling is set to star. And so it's (laughs) Ryan Gosling talking to this rock slash tarantula in overalls. It sounds, they have a real challenge in front of them because that sounds so unbelievably corny.
1: I am struggling as well to understand how it's going to work, but something that did give me an idea of how they could be creative was I also listened to the audiobook of this, which was interesting because Rocky speaks in like musical sounds, which you would think wouldn't translate. Yeah, in the book, it's just music notes. Yeah, and I couldn't picture the audiobook version, but once you listen to it, you're like, okay, that kind of works. But again, I don't know how they're going to have a CGI rock spider creature with no face. We're going to get to this later. So what do you think about Ryan Gosling? Because I feel like- Oh, I'm
0: into it. I, I like it. I think this role makes sense for him. I think he's probably trying to break out of the heartthrob, love interest, romantic lead guy with some of his more action roles. And I think this is the kind of serious career-making role that, you know, you can win an Oscar for. I think it makes a lot of sense. I I think it's like an esteem, especially after Matt Damon did the Martian. Like, I think it makes a lot of sense for him. And certainly I didn't picture Ryland as hot as Ryan Gosling. Like I was maybe picturing a lovable schlub. Like I was picturing present day Mark Ruffalo, Who, like, needs a Uh haircut.
1: (laughs) I love Mark Ruffalo. Me too.
0: But, like, I wasn't picturing
1: Rob. They do say, I reread it for this, and they do say in the beginning, which I missed, that he's, like, absurdly ripped after the space journey.
0: But he's ripped from the space journey. So I don't think when he's on Earth that he's ripped.
1: I... When I first heard it was going to be Ryan Gosling, I was excited. But then someone put into my brain that Ryan Reynolds will be perfect for this. And then I was no. like, wait, I think it'd be so much better because he's goofier and like more sarcastic.
0: Yeah, but I think this role needs an earnestness to it that I don't know that Ryan Reynolds has. Like, I feel like Ryan Reynolds would make it this slapstick thing. And that would really change because so much of the book is like, the tenderness of mm-hmm. Rocky and Ryland's relationship Well, I guess this
1: actually presents an interesting point because it is the type of book that could go one like it could go two ways it could be sort of like funny journey through space, blah 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 friendship story or it could be you know, like you said, super tender and emotional and it could be both but maybe that's harder to do I
0: don't know. Truly, I think this is either going to be the best movie or the worst movie of our time, and there is really no middle option. I'd be interested to see what you think of The Martian.
1: I can't remember if you said you'd watch it or not.
0: No, I haven't. Because it's not
1: similar, but it is only Matt Damon. There's He has no one to interact with at all, and it's still a really, I think, in- entertaining movie. But okay, I'm going to the movie theater for this one. I'm going to run it out. Who wants to come with me?
0: Maybe we'll go together.
1: <laughs> yes, that would be awesome. I'm really excited for it.
0: I know this is your thing, but I feel like I'm now in this with you.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you are. And then there's a true fandom with the, with this book, which I enjoy.
0: Okay. Wait, I need to talk to you about, I don't know, maybe 60% through the book, 70% through the book. Do we call him Ryland? I feel like Rocky calls him Grace, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of struggling with how I refer to him. He finds out. That he did not volunteer for this mission and that he was basically drugged and put on this space flight after the two people who were supposed to be there both died in an explosion. I got to know, if you were in his shoes, do you complete the mission or do you spite Earth? I, I thought about this a lot when I first read it,
1: which, by the way, again, props to Andy Weir because I was totally surprised by this and I didn't see it coming. I think I would just have to move forward because it's like, what else is there to do? I I don't know. To give my life some meaning, I think I would have to try to complete the mission. What about you? I feel like you would spite Earth.
0: Oh, I don't know how I would feel. I certainly would take a pause. I wouldn't just keep on with the mission. I would take an intermission here to have some really petty thoughts. Oh, yeah, I would be pissed, like very pissed. And I think it helps that he was a scientist, so he had a greater cause in, in discovery and in scientific process, whereas I am just some schmo who does calculator math. <laughs> so, you know, there's no inherent joy in the mission for me in the discovery. But, oh, man.
1: Yeah, it would be a brutal decision. I, I don't know. It would probably take me like two weeks just to process that.
0: Longer. And yeah. the whole reason that he was tricked is because he didn't want to go in the mission in the first place because it's a suicide mission. And then he didn't get a choice about it.
1: Yep. Yep. And then, I mean, ugh, gosh, this also begs the question, which is something else I wanted to talk to you about. The mere idea of waking up and then slowly realizing that you're just floating through space horrifies me. But, but what would your reaction be to that? Say you go to sleep today and you wake up and you are in space.
0: I don't disagree with you. However, I think my larger problem would be the two dead people that are also there. True. That's a side note. It's a side note. I think that would be more disturbing, even like not in space. But imagine you just woke up tomorrow morning, came downstairs, and there's like two dead people on your couch.
1: Not great. Not ideal.
0: Not, not
1: great. Not ideal. <laughs> I mean, no, it would be bad, but to me that would be seems terrifying. More, that seems more plausible to me than waking up in space. Sure, I mean, yeah, I guess so. But well, know. like I would, not I would know the steps to take. Were there a dead body in my house, you know, you I would? would call. I would. <laughs> I would call the people, the people who you know, the police. <laughs> I think I'd run outside, like I'd just run away. Well, at least you could run away, Becca, because let me tell you, if you were in space, you would not be able to run away, which I guess to your point, the dead people plus space is really sort of the combination that would be terrifying. Sure. Sure. Would you have a panic attack or do you think you'd be like, cool? Oh, I, I
0: absolutely think I would have a panic attack.
1: Yeah. Same. And... I have another question for you, which is a question I ask people a lot because I feel like it tells Mm -hmm, me mm -hmm. a lot about them as a person. Yeah. If someone were to come to you and say, congratulations, you've won a trip to space, we're leaving in a week, pack your bags, all expense paid, would you go or would you be like, hell no?
0: Absolutely not.
1: Okay, me either. Space
0: feels too dangerous. And while I was reading this book, I did some research. Oh, And I did find out that apparently no one has died in space. Mm. So no one has died in a space-related accident outside of the Earth's atmosphere. So the Challenger exploded, but that was still... Within Earth's atmosphere, there was another big... I think it was a Russian spaceship that exploded on re-entry, but it was in Earth's atmosphere. So you know the thing you see in all the space movies where someone's cord gets untied and they just float away? That's never happened. Huh. I mean, I guess they, the other things have probably floated away, so they understand that that would happen if one were to release themselves. But no one has ever died in space during a space-related accident. So I, I guess space is decently safe
1: it's safer than here probably it's just the getting, getting there. getting
0: to space is safe <laughs> no. but no it, it to me it feels like why yeah there would be nothing for me to gain from going to space like do you remember a few weeks ago when pete david said it was going to go to space but then it like got rescheduled and he couldn't go anymore <laughs>
1: I love that our timeline as a culture is such that I was like oh yeah I remember that that was just a blip on the radar of living in 2022 like it was just just a passing bit of information that I was like oh cool he's going to space like and then he just did it like and-
0: how would Pete Davidson's life be better or worse from having gone to space well I mean it could be worse He could die but I-, I just feel like I guess it's like skydiving. Don't
1: have any desire to do that either. Me either. These are both things that Jake says he would like to do if given the opportunity. And I just don't understand. Like, why would you expose yourself to such unnecessary risk just to see a giant expanse of nothing?
0: And I guess the Earth. Follow-up question. If somebody guaranteed your safety, so I guess now some omnipotent being is in is in play here too (laughs) but somebody guarantees your safety would you go to space?
1: Well remember last time I was talking about how I was afraid the plane would crash I don't know if I could handle going to space even though even if it was guaranteed I don't Maybe I would be afraid that I would have a panic attack. To be honest with you, and I would—it's the—it's the claustrophobia paired with whatever that fear is of giant, endless space.
0: I agree. I wouldn't go either for different reasons. I—I I feel like the takeoff process seems terrifying. Oh yeah. I'm not sure about the landing process. If that's just equally terrifying, or if that's gentler, it must be. But I don't know. I'm not. I guess I'm not a true space nut because I wouldn't go.
1: I'll stick to the movies and books about space, I think. But another question, do you believe aliens exist?
0: Yes, absolutely. However, I think that alien life form exists more along the lines of astrophage, that Mm -hmm. it's a cellular, non-intelligent organism. I don't know if I believe that something like Rocky exists. I wouldn't be shocked, I guess. I hope so. But I'm not positive if I believe.
1: Okay. That's understandable. What about you? I think I I feel pretty similarly. I I think it has to be out there. I also think that it's probably something that my brain couldn't even conceive. And I kind of liked how the book portrayed alien life in two different ways that I had never considered before. And that's probably kind of what it's going to be like. Just, Just some version of things we've never even conceived of
0: do you think that alien life will be discovered in our lifetimes why
1: not sure i think, I think yes
0: so. i i think the rate of scientific advancement over the past 50 to 75 years i i, I kind of feel like yeah
1: honestly the entire plot of the book seemed kind of plausible to me i was like mm, if this happened and there's the I turn on the news and they were like well you know we're gonna have an ice age in like whatever it was, 27 years, you're all gonna die. It'd be like, seems about right for the track we're on. Let's
0: hear a voicemail from one of our listeners with a question.
2: Hi, that on Paper. So excited to call in and that you guys are offering this and to discuss the book. I loved it. So thanks, Olivia, for putting out such a great recommendation. I read it last year, I think, when it came out, but then I reread it with you guys, um, and it's just so wonderful. Anyway, the main thing that I'm calling about to see what you guys thought was I felt really moved by the way that the main character developed a language, and I thought that was just really cool and really well thought out. And kind of meaningful just because I'm i first generation. My parents immigrated here, and so language has been, like, a big part of my childhood and, like, kind of watching them learn English and especially just kind of, like, common phrases. Um, And they used to watch TV and repeat the things that, like, news anchors or movie stars would say on TV to practice, like, the tone and the inflection. Um, of how to say things in English. And so I just thought that was really cool to watch like a language develop and how the author chose to portray that. I just thought it was something that I had never really read before. Even though it was like kind of a minor point in the book, it just really stood out to me. So those are my thoughts. Thanks for a great podcast.
0: Olivia, so after this voicemail, I need to know if I was thinking about this correctly. Because I don't think this listener and I have the same thought. So in my head, Grace was speaking in English, and then Rocky was speaking in music. So they weren't speaking each other's language, but they could understand each other. So at no point did Grace learn the Iridian language or did Rocky learn English. They just learned to understand each other. And at first, with the help of like a computer software system on Grace's side.
1: I understood it in kind of the same way. But then I also... Feel like Rocky still started to pick up like human English uh, phrases and mannerisms, which I don't know how that would work. Me either. But I also think it's one of those things where if you think about it too long, you kind of break your start. brain. <laughs> exactly. That's how I kind of thought about the, a lot of the math and the language and the translation. I was just like, okay, I get the general idea of this and moving on
0: but it was explained well enough that I didn't have a lot of glaring questions or plot holes yeah
1: actually this is another reason why I think it would be very interesting to see this in the movie because this is something that would probably be cleared up pretty quickly
0: well, I think this is also really challenging. I guess you would have the computer device in the movie to translate what Rocky's saying, but in the book, a lot of this happens in Grace's head mm. where he translates it and you hear it. Otherwise, it's kind of like a lassie where it's like, what's that, boy? There's a fire <laughs> in the barn. <laughs> so is Ryan Gosling just repeating everything that, that Rocky says?
1: I guess what they're probably going to do is, like you said, have some the computer voice be rocky, and you just kind of begin to associate one as the other, which I guess is kind of what happens when you read the book.
0: Or I guess subtitles. Yeah. I don't know, A man. lot can go wrong here. The writers
1: have their work cut out for them.
0: I have to imagine, based on Ryan Gosling's casting, that they have a big budget, so they're going to get oh, yeah. Earth's best minds on this, but...
1: Yeah, it's 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 going to be good.
0: Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it,
1: it has to be. It has to be. Okay. I'm too excited for it. I can't be let down in that way. It's probably going to be like 2027 when it comes out, but I'll be there. All right, let's take an ad break.
0: Today's episode is also sponsored by Pros, the world's most personalized hair care. I've been using my customized shampoo and conditioner for almost two years now and am a loyal convert. And Olivia has taken the online quiz and is going to try out the product soon too, which I'm very excited to hear about. Yes, I have to
1: say I was blown away by the specificity of the quiz. I was expecting like the usual questions, if I have fine hair or if it's color treated, but I was surprised by the other more in-depth questions. It even asked how often I'm stressed or if I've been through a stressful life event lately, like a breakup or bereavement. The questions alone let me know that Pros approaches hair much differently than other brands I've tried in the
0: past. They do. By analyzing over 85 factors, Prose determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. For example, I told them that I wanted thicker, fuller hair, and also to go longer between washes, and they delivered. And I've also noticed an overall improvement in my hair health since using them. It's just shinier, and I'm experiencing less breakage. And one thing that is very cool as a longtime customer is their review and refine feature. So after every bottle, they ask you how they did so they can tweak and improve your next bottle so your formula gets better the longer you use it.
1: I also appreciate that as a carbon-neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty, and they're also cruelty-free. And best of all, for our listeners, they're totally risk-free. If you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care you've had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com BOP, that's pros ecom B-O-P for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Becca getting back to space mm-hmm. what do you think it is about people's general obsession with space fascination I mean there's interstellar there's gravity they're always like the biggest budget most popular movies I feel like then there's like Apollo what is it Apollo 11 or the movie with Tom Hanks Apollo 13 anyway Apollo 13 sorry <laughs> there's <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got the number mixed up. But what what do you think is people's obsession with space? What is the allure?
0: I don't know. I think it's very male. It's interesting that Jake wants to go to space and neither of us do. I'm sure we'll have Mm. some listeners who want to go to space. I think it's like a conqueror thing, you know, where it's like we've conquered the final frontier. Yeah, we've conquered everything on Earth. Might as well go conquer other things. I don't know. And I guess it is probably different if you have, like, a scientific mind, which I do not. I, like, almost failed high school science. Um, Same. I don't know. Do you have any theories?
1: I think it's, like, the ultimate unknown. And probably one of the few, not tangible, but, like, you can look up to the sky or space or stars or whatever and also know that it's infinite. And then... I mean, it really messes with your brain, you know? I, I don't think there's anything quite like that in the world that is that unknown. So maybe it's just general curiosity. The possibilities are kind of endless, which is terrifying. But it's possibility that comes
0: with danger
1: to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the ocean in a way.
0: The ocean is also an unexplored frontier, like the ocean floor. Oh, yeah,
1: that's terrifying as well. I think I would actually rather go to space before I went to, like, the depths of the ocean.
0: Yeah, I don't trust submarines. Don't know why.
1: Oh. No reason. Me either. I feel like it makes a lot of sense. Like, I feel like it's a natural human instinct to fear a submarine. Also, I don't think I'd be allowed in submarines. I think I'm too tall. Isn't there a rule about that? Oh, I don't know. Or is that just, like, the Navy?
0: (laughs) I'm unsure.
1: (laughs) Either way, I'm not going, so it's fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So one of the things that I know was not a salient plot point, but they did give a lot of page time to was the coma slurry and Grace's dilemma. If he was going to travel back because it was a suicide mission, there wasn't enough food. Was he going to put himself back in a coma or eat the coma slurry? Just like choke it down. Which which would you do?
1: I think I would just, I think I would choke it down.
0: Me too. The coma sounds too scary. It really does. But I did get us some astronaut ice cream for us to be able to experience the food of space. Yes.
1: I, my doorbell rang the other day. I opened it. It was an Amazon package, not unheard of in these parts, but I was surprised when I opened it and it was just a pack full of astronaut food. (laughs) And, um, actually Becca, I don't know if you know this, but Jake's company is like astronaut themed. No, It's very strange. Anyway, I was like, Jake, is this yours? No. And then I, I knew, I knew it was from Becca and I knew this was a friendship. You just, That was headed headed in the right direction. You
0: texted me and you were like, am I correct to assume that the astronaut ice cream is from you? And I was like, yes, you are correct.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't want to assume because then it would be weird I, if I was like, thank you so much. But it's kind of a big pack. So if I like this, like I've got dessert for a few days.
0: Well, so we have different flavors. So I ordered the astronaut ice cream of my childhood. I remember being Neapolitan ice cream. But um, I ordered it for myself, and then apparently it was the last one. So you got cookies and cream.
1: I'm excited about that. Just to to describe to the listeners, the package that this comes in looks like there should be a USB cord or something inside. It does not look food-like at all. No, this
0: this is like the packaging I remember from my childhood. But apparently there's new age astronaut ice cream, too, that's like... Millennial branding. I was tempted to get us both, but I was like, I don't need to spend $80 on astronaut ice cream because you couldn't buy this in one pack. I had to buy, I think I bought myself three packs, and I don't know how many you got.
1: You absolutely do not need to buy $80 worth of this, but who knows? It could be incredible. It looks like
0: you've had this before, right? No. When you're a child? I've had dip in dots. Is oh, that the same thing? No, it's different. So, this is like freeze dried ice cream. I remember having this as a child. I could only find it as ice cream sandwiches, but I remember it not being an ice cream sandwich and just being the freeze dried ice cream part. Okay, I'm gonna, Should tr- we try, I'm it gonna try, it. try it at the same time. Yeah.
1: Okay, I'm gonna. Oh, it has a crunch to it. I may actually break a tooth. Hold on.
0: Oh. Hmm. I tried the strawberry part which I think was a mistake. Based on Olivia's face, she's not thrilled. (laughs) It looks like if she had something to spit it out in, she would.
1: It's the texture.
0: Well, this is, I think, at least as a child, when I was given to understand the texture of space food was, it was all freeze-dried. It's like those um, special K with red berries from, like, it's like everything's freeze-dried.
1: It's like, imagine if you bit into a piece of, like, chalk and then you were just surprised to find it tasted like cookies and cream ice cream that's the exact experience except the chalk is it's very large
0: it kind of like melts in your mouth in a weird way though That i i I guess i hope chalk wouldn't
1: maybe that's the key you don't actually chew it you just wait till it melts on your tongue (laughs) it gives me chills watching you bite into (laughs) the Not in like a oh cold ice cream, like in a nails on a chalkboard kind of way. Not the sound, just the texture. Oh my gosh. I so feel like is we should it do safe to say
0: you're not gonna finish yours? Oh no, she's going in for another bite. <laughs> <laughs> Look,
1: I don't understand it, but I am compelled to keep eating it. So it's um I'm glad we had this experience. Do you think this is better than
0: what Ryland had? I mean, the food was described to sound pretty delicious in the book.
1: It was. Do you think that Ryan Gosling is at this very moment prepping for the movie in the same way?
0: <laughs> Do you think that's why even, there was no more Mendes Neapolitan? Even is like, what are you doing? There's no more Neapolitan ice cream on Amazon because Ryan Gosling <laughs> bought out to prep for his role.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's part of the method acting experience. He's only
0: eating space food for the next five years. She ate another bite, folks. She ate another bite it's like weirdly it's, um, what was i eating the other day i said this about something else too it's like hint of lime tostitos where you're like you take the first bite and you're like well i don't <laughs> like it but it's i gotta i gotta find out more and then you like keep eating it and then you're like maybe i like it
1: yeah it's like plain food it's like in any other setting i would stop eating this but for some reason i'm just going to journey on here so well we'll see i think jake will like it
0: Oh, there's plenty for him.
1: The good news is that it's made in the USA. So <laughs> <if> you're <laughs> since 1974, there's been a market for this. Oh, man. Well, thank you for sending this. The, I could also use this as a weapon if need be because it is so compact and solid. It's like, light, though. I don't know if you guys can hear this. This is me on the, <laughs> the table. Um, oh, mine's
0: really crumbly. I have crumbs everywhere. There's, it's shedding pieces.
1: Oh, I know someone's cracked a tooth on that. That's all I know. Worth it, though, maybe.
0: Let's talk about the ending. Yes. I guess before we give our thoughts, should we listen to this voicemail?
2: Yeah, let's do it. Hi, Olivia and Becca. It's Marianne. I'm a longtime fan of the podcast and obsessed with Project Hail Mary. But my question for you is, did you like the ending? For how much I obsessively tore through this book, could not stop talking about it, could not stop thinking about it, I have to admit, I found the ending lacking. I wanted him to get back to earth. I wanted resolution with Strat. I just, uh, I don't know. It left me wanting more. So I want to know what you guys thought of the ending. Thanks for everything you do.
0: So what did you think of the ending?
1: I really loved the ending because it was not what I expected. I fully expected someone to die. I thought in order for this to really like hit you in the fields, have meaning, someone has to perish. So I liked that it was an unexpected, happy ending. And I didn't think about the resolution, what happened on Earth, that much at all because i was because i was so invested in rocky and the tiny classroom of the tiny iridians i was like this is the most pure amazing ending i've ever read but what did you think
0: so i liked it it did feel somewhat inevitable like it was the only ending there could have been if he went back to earth i mean the book then would have been like 300 more pages of him dealing with that (laughs) but if he went back to earth like earth did him wrong screw earth. So I like that he was yeah. he went to arid and he was treated like a king among men or spiders in this case. And I thought it was interesting. It did bring up some some questions for me that I feel like one chapter was probably not sufficient to answer. So I do feel like it introduced some some questions. But I liked it. What questions? Well, just like about how how life on Arid works. And also, like, how did they Mm -hmm. how did they advance their technology so fast to, like, engineer food for him and, like, invent cloning? It seemed like their technology was not there. And also, they don't see. So the whole planet is dark. And so he's living in, like, a dark bubble. And I don't know. There was just like there were a few things that I was like, huh, I'm with you. I'm happy for them. Yeah, I, I understand that. So I didn't mind the ending. And it was cute that he had students again.
1: Yes, that was, I did not see that coming and I thought it was adorable, but I do like that to a certain extent, your brain kind of had to fill in the the details that maybe weren't as important to the heart of the story, but I agree. There definitely were some things that I was thinking about the planet, but it's hard to think about anything else other than the me burger once the me burger is introduced.
0: Oh, where did that question go? Would you eat a me burger?
1: Yeah, we got a voicemail with this question, um, which is an amazing question. I think I would. Absolutely. I think, I think, you know, you're able to recognize that it's not actually you.
0: I wouldn't a eat human. a you burger. I would feel very weird <laughs> about eating a you burger. I'm insulted. <laughs> but I would eat a me burger.
1: Yeah. I Yeah, I think that's fair. I think most people would. I don't know, like, if you're a vegetarian.
0: Maybe that's the food source of the future. Your cloned self.
1: <laughs> I think this is our culinary episode. We really hit all of the high points. <laughs> oh, it could be, though. Maybe, maybe that is the future. It, I guess it would be more sustainable.
0: Yeah. Here's yeah. another voicemail that I thought was interesting. I didn't consider this.
2: Hi, Becca and Olivia. I loved Project Hail Mary and Andy Weir's other books. I was wondering if it bothered either of you that he chose not to write about whether the main character tells Earth about his discoveries about Rocky and the Eridians. I personally think that Rylan chose to not tell Earth in order to protect the Iridians from Earth, but it bothers me that Andy Weir doesn't include Rylan's thought process about it, because I think it's a pretty important thing to be left out. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I actually had not thought of this at all, and I found it it interesting that it hadn't crossed my mind even a little bit. What about you?
0: No, it didn't cross my mind at all. Again, I'm of the opinion, fuck Earth, because of what they did to him, so... They don't get to know. Um, Also, my understanding, which could be incorrect, was that he didn't really have an option. Like, they had his, he sent all of the Beatles back to Earth. And so he didn't really have a means to get something there. He just had his spaceship. So in order to, like, tell Earth, he would have had to go there, which, based on the time thing, oh, I didn't know about that. Like, the, the difference in time experienced in space versus on Earth. Did you know that? I
1: did only because have you seen the movie Interstellar? No. It's okay. If you get on a space kick again or after this, it's with Matthew McConaughey and Jessica Chastain, two people who I love. And like the science is very confusing, but a large part of it is about the time difference. Mm. And um, I mean, I can't like explain it to anyone if you were to ask me to. But yeah. Um, definitely complicates things. Do you think this made you think feel differently about science fiction, about the genre? Do you feel like it was like a one hit wonder for you in the science alien book world?
0: I think it was a one hit wonder for me. I already said that I it it definitely exceeded my expectations and made humbled me in that I don't necessarily know what I'm going to like. So it would be more open to science fiction in the future. I actually like science fiction-y, like, YA books. If there's, like, you know, an adventure or something component. But no, I don't know that I would go seek out others. But I think I would read anything that Andy Weir writes next.
1: Would you read The Martian?
0: No, I'm not going to go backwards.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's hard with this one because I feel like it is such a good human story that and the Martian is too but it's just it doesn't hit the same way but I would suggest you watch the movie okay I've tried some more science fiction after this personally and I found it difficult to get into mm. so maybe it was a one-hit wonder for me too but I agree I would read anything that Andy Weir writes definitely
0: let's get out of book talk and into some end matter here I noticed that we both have obsessions from athletics
1: yeah. I. This is not sponsored by Athleta, but... Maybe it should be. I went into the outline, and you had just written it, and I had already planned. So it was really just... We're on the same, the same page here. But tell me about... Well, actually, I am also obsessed with your obsession. So oh. I'm excited to hear you talk about it. Yeah.
0: So I mentioned two weeks ago that I've started running and doing Couch to 5K. And I'm running outside. And so one of the considerations is where do I put my phone? And so I realized that I had a pair of Athleta leggings that they'd sent me a while ago, and I never worn them. They're the Athleta Salutation Stash leggings. And I think they're more meant for studio workouts, but I like them for running and I don't think they're see-through at all. And they have the the hip pocket, they have like a really deep hip pocket. And I'm obsessed with them. And now I've bought two more pairs of them because these are my running leggings. I will say I recommend buying them one to two sizes smaller because otherwise, well, I think it depends on what workout you're doing. But when I run, I feel like I got, I have them in medium and large. And in the large ones, my phone like pulls it down a little So I think you want them like really tight.
1: I can confirm that this is correct. If I have them in two sizes as well and the key is to size down or they will roll down and there is nothing, nothing that annoys me more when working out is if the waistband is just slowly rolling down. It's the worst feeling, worst feeling, but they're incredible. I would agree with you.
0: I tried. I bought a pair or two of the ones that are specifically for running and I liked them less.
1: I don't know which ones are specifically for running. They had running. a
0: filter on their site and I I filtered and it was like the hip one the leggings that had a hip pocket that were for running and I I didn't like them as much. Oh,
1: hmm, interesting.
0: I like that these are really thin. It's like it's kind of like the Align leggings from Lululemon, like it's like second skin.
1: Yeah. They're soft enough to also lounge in, which is great.
0: Uh, yes and no Or for me. The medium is like pretty compressed, like it's pretty tight. I wouldn't want to lounge lounge. I could certainly like wear them on errands, but I, I wouldn't say they're, like, comfort.
1: Hmm. Okay. Interesting.
0: Tell me about yours, because I got very close to buying this when you were talking about it on your Instagram.
1: Yeah, so mine is the Athleta Cabo linen wide leg pants, and I actually bought them before a beach vacation that I went on because I wanted some easy linen pants to throw on over swimsuits or with T-shirts, whatever. Since getting them, I have discovered they are, like, the ultimate pant to wear on flights and for traveling. They're linen, so they're breathable. They're still like full coverage. I hate wearing shorts or skirts or even really dresses on planes. So, you know, they're still pants. I initially was kind of annoyed when I got them because I realized they have zippers on the pockets, which I was like, oh, this isn't like the beach, like easy, breezy aesthetic I wanted. However, I have discovered that they're kind of amazing for travel because I can put my phone in there, zip it up. If I'm running around, if I'm sprinting through the Frankfurt airport at full speed for a mile as I was recently, like nothing is falling out of them. They just feel good. They're not constricting at all, which is incredible. Like whenever I see people wearing jeans on planes, I'm like, are you well? Like (laughs) it doesn't feel comfortable to me. Like it's just ugh, no. So I highly recommend them. And then for these, I would suggest sizing up one or two.
0: Interesting. That's
1: my personal experience.
0: Let's talk about books because we both have a lot here.
1: We do. We really do. Do you want
0: to go first? Sure.
1: I, yeah, there are a lot for (laughs) for me, but I finished, since we last talked, A Court of Mist and Fury. I kind of talked about it enough on the last episode probably, but I really enjoyed it. I did feel it was really long.
0: Did you like it better than the first book?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: That's my favorite book in the series, I think.
1: I enjoyed it so much. I think that I will probably take a break from the series after it, just because I read them back to back and it was kind of a lot. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Also, did you realize there's 69 chapters in it? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I I checked like three times and I was like, well, okay. I see what she did there. I also read The Younger Wife by Sally Hepworth. I downloaded it on my Kindle. I just wanted something that was like a, a very classic domestic thriller. Didn't hate it, didn't love it. Yeah, that's pretty much as much as I can say about it. It kind of scratched that itch for like a pretty typical thriller. I also finished The School for Good Mothers by Jessmine Chan. Incredible writing, absurdly dark, very disturbing in parts. Involved robots, so it's a little bit mm. of sci-fi as well. I liked all the Philly references, but it's definitely a probably difficult read if you've had children recently or have children at all, maybe, but really great writing. And then I started Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. Have you read anything by them? Yes,
0: I loved Station Eleven, and I know that it is controversial, but I really liked The Glass Hotel. A lot of people hated The Glass Hotel. See,
1: I read Station Eleven, but I haven't read The Glass Hotel.
0: It was the follow-up and I think there were a lot of expectations and I think a lot of people hated it. It's it's not at all like Station Eleven.
1: Huh. I I was kind of on the fence with Station Eleven, but I also read it mid twenty twenty one and Oh,
0: not the right time.
1: Yeah, I didn't realize when I got it what it was about
0: and I was like, Oh,
1: okay, we're doing this. But um, I mean, beautiful writing. Sea of Tranquility is interesting so far. I'm reading it at night and I find that every time I start reading it, I'm like, wait, what's happening. (laughs) But, But yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, And then finally, the one I'm kind of most excited about, I started Flying Solo by Linda Holmes, who wrote Evie Drake Starts Over, which I haven't read. Did you read that?
0: Yes. So that book is so special to me because it was the book that broke me out of my pandemic reading rut. And I'd owned it for over a year and it had just sat on my shelf and I was not excited about it based on the description. I was like, I don't care. And I adored it. And so then when we were talking about books we wanted to call in, you kind of poo-pooed flying solo and you were like, well, if you want it, we can read it, but I don't know how I feel. So I'm, I'm delighted that you love it. I don't
1: remember doing that. I guess based on the description, it's not something I would necessarily go for, but I'm loving it. Like it's so fun. And I just, yeah, it's really, I find it very comforting and soothing. And I also really love that the main character is in her 40s and Also, just the author just randomly worked in that she was plus size, but it's not a plot point at all. It's like never mentioned. And I kind of love that because, I don't know, I feel like as a culture, we kind of just read things assuming people are thin, which is ridiculous, but... Yeah. Anyway, I love that it's not a plot point and it's just a detail and she's an interesting character with an interesting life and I'm really enjoying it. Okay. Enough about me and 5,000 books. What about you?
0: Well, I have, I have four too. So I, I read the roughest draft by Emily Wimmerly and Austin Sigmund Broca. I had higher expectations for this one than it delivered. It's a rom-com about a writing duo who has written this like chart topping bestseller and then broken up as a writing duo for unknown reasons, and they're enlisted by their publisher to deliver on the second book in their contract, even though they now hate each other. And so they go to Florida on this writing retreat to do it. I thought it was also interesting that the authors are a husband and wife. I didn't love it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. The
1: idea of writing something with my partner just made me want to. Oh, wow. Good for them. But
0: I didn't love this.
1: Okay. that's a bummer.
0: I almost didn't finish it. And then I kind of hate finished the last third of it. Darn. So not a recommend. I read Project Hail Mary, which I obviously loved. I read Cover Story by Susan Rigetti. I think that's how you say her last name. I'm not positive. I tore through this in one sitting. It is almost as if she took Elizabeth Holmes, Anna Delvey, and Caroline Calloway and smashed them together into one super scammer. So it's about a scammer who is taking advantage. It's told from the perspective of uh, her mark, I guess, that she's taking advantage of, who is an intern at Elle magazine. And that's where they meet the scammers, uh, like an editor at large there and get sucked in and drama unfolds. I loved this. It was really interestingly told too. It was all told through emails, FBI records, Slack messages Instagram posts and diary entries. And for the first 50 pages, I was like, oh, it's a little too simplistic. I don't think I'm going to like this. But once it really started to get going, like devoured.
1: Huh. Okay. It's in my pile. So I definitely will pick that up soon.
0: It was great. I think
1: you'll like it. I do love scammers.
0: And then I read How to Fake It in Hollywood by Ava Wilder, which comes out in June. And Claire Mazur, who is my soulmate in celebrity normal people romance reading told me that she liked this even better than Funny You Should Ask by Alyssa Sussman. And so I I read this. I was really excited for it. And I liked it better for the first half. And then the second half kind of fell apart for me. And I ended up not loving it that much. Hmm. So this is a fake dating. It's a struggling up and coming actress gets into a PR relationship with Kind of like a, a Ben Affleck if Matt Damon had died. So it's like a, a famous actor who was f- part of a fame, like an A-list duo, but like the other half of the duo has died. And now he's gone into like oh, a I deep got depression.
1: You, I got what you meant immediately. Yeah. So great description. It was just very specific.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, I didn't, I don't know. It didn't end up being better for me. Hmm. Okay. But on that note, should we tell people what our May book is?
1: Yes, you can do the honors.
0: So we're going to read Funny You Should Ask by Alyssa Sussman. <laughs> so, you know, just doing my <laughs> diligence here to make sure it was the best celebrity <laughs> normal person romance of the current of the current times. I was delighted by this book. It is about a journalist who goes to interview an A-list celebrity who's like about to star in his breakout role for a magazine profile. And it's told in two timelines. The first timeline is when she's writing the profile for the first time. And then the second timeline is 10 years later when uh, he's become a big star and then also kind of become disgraced. And she's writing a follow-up profile on the 10-year anniversary. We kind of see how they both have grown and changed. And we also see how the profile has affected both of their lives. And I can't stop talking about this book. So I'm very excited to talk about it with you all.
1: It is a very fun book. I read it cover to cover in one sitting. It's Ooh. it's it's very fun.
0: So that's what we've got for you. Come join us in the Facebook group. I would love it if you want to discuss Project Hail Mary with us. We'll put up some question prompts, but please chime in. Follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast.
1: Yeah, I think that's it.
0: You're not going to tell them your Instagram? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Olivia Mentor on Instagram. And I'm at, at Becca M. Freeman. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Hello, fellow Space Nuts. Today, we're talking about space. Let me do that over. (laughs) Maybe we should have bloopers. That's
1: it. That's the episode. Cut. We're done.